getting into STEM-related fields that, oh, maybe it's not cool or it's kind of nerdy or whatever you want to call it and, and finding different ways to kind of break that down. I also think if we just let more women know how much money you can make working in yeah, tech, there you go. then we would have more women working in tech. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to She's Interesting. I'm your host, Rochelle Hariri, and today we have a very exciting guest. We have Tiffany Jansen in the house with us today. Tiffany started her career in the fashion world before making the switch to tech as a software developer. How incredible is that? She worked as a developer for over five years and then grew into a developer relation role, which she continues today. Uh, Tiffany founded and built Tiff in Tech. You may have heard of it all over your Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, etc. Um, she's turned it into the world's foremost online tech community. With a focus on education, empowerment, and staying current on tech trends, Tiff in Tech is the go-to destination for anyone looking to launch or advance a career in technology. It's pretty incredible. There's a huge community behind her. The communities allowed her to regularly work with some of the world's largest tech brands, including Apple, Logitech, Amazon, and so many more. It's just so interesting as I'm reading your bio right now, I'm getting so excited. <laughs> Through Tiffin Tech, Tiffany inspires millions each month. She literally has like millions of impressions across her social channels. And it's especially a community of women. So lots of women are tuning into her tech updates and her Instagram, her TikTok, et cetera. Um, a lot of these women are looking to pursue careers in the exciting world of technology. And so super warm welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to connect with you on this. I'm so excited to have you here because, so Tiff and I have known each other for like years now, yeah. but we haven't actually had an opportunity to hang out in person like this. So I know. It's, it's exciting. And I love yeah. that we're doing it in a format where I can ask you a bunch of questions and it feels very natural. <laughs> I know. This is great. I love this. And I, we were speaking earlier. I feel like I'm usually in your shoes asking mm -hmm. the questions. So I'm like, okay, what do I, what do, I do now? <laughs> yeah. So we'll make this as fun as possible. Like we're just having a quick coffee chat, but I want to start in the early days of your career. So for those who don't know, Tiffin Tech, Tiffany. She actually used to live in Hong Kong and she was a model and had a really great career in the fashion industry and then decided to return home to Canada and switch, completely switch from fashion and this creative field into technology. So can we talk about that a bit? Yes. First of all, how old were you when you went to Hong Kong and what was it like living there? Oh my goodness. So I was just turned 19 when I, when I moved there. And, uh, you know, I, I look back and I'm like, how did my parents say yes to this? Like, mom, dad, I'm moving to Hong Kong. They're like, okay. Yeah. Like, I look back and like, would I allow my, I guess, you know, you just got to let your, your. Let them go. Let them go. Yeah. yeah. You know, coming from a small town, middle of Canada to all of a sudden that's so busy, so alive. I was living with individuals from different cultures. Um, I just felt for the first time, like I was getting a real sense of so many others experiences and cultures. And I just. Like a global thrived. perspective exactly. almost. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And it just was really inspiring to me to think bigger. Um, but I, I took a lot of inspiration from my time there. There were so many amazing entrepreneurs there that I met that um, I'm like, wow, if they're doing that, maybe it, what could I do? Yeah. yeah. So is that what sort of piqued your interest in moving from fashion to tech and becoming a developer? You know what? It was, it piqued my interest in business. Mm -hmm. And then when I, at that time, I was like, you know what? I want to go back to school. I don't know what exactly for. And even mm -hmm. during that time, I was like, I'm going to still intertwine it with fashion. So I ended up moving back to Canada and I'm like, okay, I guess Toronto because it's the biggest city in Canada. That was really my only reasoning. I'm like, yeah. I want to stay in a big center. 
and then during my time here in Toronto, went to school for graphic communications management, which I don't even know. Looking back, I'm not even sure what prompted me to do that. I thought, okay, maybe graphic design, and then I can work for a fashion company doing that. It's creative still. Yeah, yeah. it's still creative. And it was in my last year that it was required to take a very basic coding course. And otherwise, I wouldn't have taken it. Mm -hmm. But I was like, okay, I have to take this. Fell in love with it. The idea of, you know... Whatever I wanted to build, I could. I mean, granted, very small, terrible scale. But (laughs) the idea of it. But you could. You could see that it's possible. Yes, exactly. And that is what prompted me to um, pursue software development. My first thought is you're going from fashion into a highly tech, male-dominated world. Did you have any reservations? Were you worried about any type of judgment because of where you were coming from? And did you face any criticism because of your background? That to me, I'm someone who, if I feel a challenge, I, I'm almost drawn to it. I get really excited. And that's one of the things that I was like, wow, I mean, why can't I do that? If all these guys are, you know, stereotypically, mm-hmm. all these men are in this industry doing this, why can't I? So that actually kind of drew me more, I think, to the role initially as well of, of facing that challenge. But what I will tell you is in my first job as a developer, I caught myself after a few months uh, really subconsciously changing how I dressed. Mm. I, I was remember I was sitting in office and it was an all-male team on the technical team that I was working with. And I was wearing this really baggy t-shirt and just nothing, it just wasn't me. Yeah. And I kind of like, I went in the bathroom, I checked myself, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, and I realized I just over time was trying to fit in so hard with that group. Mm-hmm that it even affected the way I was dressing and acting. And, and after that, I was like, I, it was kind of a wake-up call. Yeah. yeah. So when, when you had that realization, did you decide, all right, tomorrow I'm coming to work and I'm wearing my favorite shirt, I'm wearing my yeah. cute jeans. What, how did you get yourself out of that state and then be comfortable with just being authentically who you are and showing up to work every day? Because I think, obviously, you're in a tech environment, so you feel that a lot more. But I genuinely feel like across the board, when you're working in a corporate office, there's a certain um, dress code that you have to abide by and and look a certain way. And so how did you decide, I'm going to put this aside and just go show up tomorrow as myself and that's it? Oh, if it was, I wish it was as easy as, you know, the next day, snap fingers, and it's like, (laughs) all right, I'm going to show up tomorrow and everything I want to wear. It it was a gradual process. And I think something I still, you know, catch myself. Now I work remote, so it's a bit different in different ways, maybe Mm -hmm. communication style, um, different things like that. But it's something I'm consciously trying to be aware of and make small steps every day. Uh, You know, I'll, I'll use another example. I I know there's a lot of like back and forth between should you use emojis, you know, oh, with Slack exclamation or not, points. Or, yeah, and I got so caught up in that too recently where I was like, I was editing my messages to fit what their tone was. And I'm like, no, like, yeah. why? So I think it's an ongoing thing that we have to work at or I have to work at anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that's helped me though is as much as possible surrounding yourself with others, especially other women who who are navigating this too. I, I agree. I think even for myself, I've just, I, I was uh, comparing my writing style in emails and yeah. I have become very like tech bro in the way that I communicate through email. And I don't know how to change that. Yeah. And it's just because I think I was in the corporate environment for so long. So it was very like, matter of fact, get to the point. I also worked in social media. So it was a lot of like short sentences, get the point across, 
move on. And I'm realizing now in my mid to late thirties where I'm like, wow, this has completely changed the way that I write emails and I communicate. And I see how other people have like such flowery writing and smileys and this and that. And I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to be more human in my communication. And so I think I have a similar problem where I'm like, I want to be myself. Because when you talk to me in person, I'm much more animated. When you get an email from Rochelle, it's like, hello, this is what's happening. Blah, blah, blah. Thank you so much. (laughs) Chat soon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so interesting how, you know, it impacts our our work and then carries on throughout. Forever. Yeah. (laughs) I know. For the rest of our lives. (laughs) So, okay, back to your transition. Um, When you went from being in the fashion world, which Mm -hmm. is known as being very creative, outside of the box thinking, people show up to work, like expressing themselves based on the way they dress and then switching into development and software development, which is much more like logic based. And it's also a very male dominant industry. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like, you might be losing some of your creativity by by switching. Have you still found ways to maintain that so that in your day-to-day, you're excited about your work? Tell us a bit about what you do on a day-to-day basis. It's a great question. That was like three questions in one. Sorry. No, I like it. I like it. Um, you know, when I was first starting out doing software development and, and really throughout doing software development full-time, I at first I didn't feel that because I was so, it was the excitement. It was the rush. And I, I genuinely love and loved and love building and coding and, and that aspect of it. And, and it was still creative in the sense of just using my creativity different. It was more so around finding different ways to solve problems, um, approaching different things, uh, things in different ways. I did that for f- almost six years. Then, but on the side, I, I was doing Tiff and Tech. Mm-hmm. So I still got that really creative aspect. And then from there... I transitioned into what I'm doing now, which is developer relations, which essentially is a mix between, you know, the technical aspect, but then also too that public speaking, creativity, creating content, Mm -hmm. all of that. So for me, I found my happy medium in that way. Uh, I don't think, I definitely ran my course with doing software development full time. You know, I I was like, do I want to go do I want to continue going down the software development in a management form or that kind of form? I'm like, no, I, I like I like interacting with people. And not yeah. to say developers don't, yeah. but I like- It's a different, in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I wanted to do more external interactions and, and whatnot. So I really found that happy medium with developer relations, getting to put on both hats. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment when you were deciding to, to make this shift- where you were hit by imposter syndrome or something happened where you're like, is is this like I'm making a big life change? Is this really what I want to do? Were there any pivotal moments like that where you had to stop and think about your next step? Oh my gosh, all the time. And even still today, I, I, I think it just <laughs> always follows me. Yeah. I, um, you know, I when I was first starting out in software development, there was a lot, a lot of really hard days, a lot of crying in the bathroom and just mm-hmm. like, just really questioning everything. And I remember there were days, not a day, days where I would be stuck on a ticket that should take, you know, it was estimated to take someone a few hours and it would take me a few days. And I'm like, I'm going to get fired. They're going to let me go. I am the, you know, I'm the least smartest person in this room and all these things. And some of those thoughts, you know, it was, it was imposter syndrome and then others were, you know, Tiff, maybe you're not good at this, which maybe was imposter syndrome. I, maybe I wasn't that good at it at the time. Uh, but what really helped me during that is I was so lucky. At that time, I was at IBM, and 
their mentorship and individuals. I, I remember there was this incredible woman who was a senior engineer and she really took me under her wing. And um, if it wasn't for her, I don't know what my career would have looked like. Yeah. And that I always keep that in the back of my mind because I always want to give back to someone to, to help. Tech? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Is that where right? the idea came from for Tiffin Tech or just, that was a separate Se- journey? Separate journey. Okay. Uh, separate, similar, same goal, separate mm-hmm. journey. That really started when I was first learning how to code and I, uh, I'd go on YouTube and I was watching these coding tutorials. They were all male. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where, why is there no woman voice? Because you want to see the person, you just hear the voice, right? Yeah. Like, why is there no woman voices that I can listen to? Uh, and so when I first started my, first started Tiffin Tech at all, the premise of it was around coding tutorials. Like, let's just create coding tutorials. You won't see my face of me just be teaching code. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a while and realized it was not going to scale because what you write today for code in a few weeks, months, depending on what technology you're using, is already outdated. outdated yeah. mm-hmm. And I was like, I kept on running into that. So I kind of pivoted, um, but that's that's the... The beginning of Tiff and Tech was from that. I actually love that you were able to transition into a new new career mm-hmm. and not only get over the imposter syndrome, but then you are such a badass. You created a whole freaking community <laughs> of like hundreds and thousands of people that now follow you mm-hmm. and are supporting your journey. And you yeah. have millions of impressions and views on your content on mm-hmm. a weekly basis. Like, do you ever take a moment to stop and think? what the heck have I created? How how did I even get here? I'm like living this manifestation that I wanted. Yeah. You know what? It really hits me when I get, I try and read as much messages as possible. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's hard, but when I get the messages, I'll give you an example. I had, um, there's this woman who started messaging me when she was in high school. So when she was um, a girl and uh, would just ask me some questions. And I actually, at one point, got on a 15-minute Zoom call with her. Um, She's like, can I just ask you some questions about your career? I'm kind of thinking of going into computer science. So I got on a Zoom call with her and I did. And now she's actually uh, going to Waterloo this coming year and is right now doing an internship as an engineer or a developer internship at Shopify. Oh, amazing. And yes, and we still keep in touch and whatnot. And I saw um, she was doing that. So I messaged her and said, congratulations and her response back was, you know, Tiff, it was through seeing what you were doing and- I love and that. that. And Goosebumps. that just, I know. Yeah. So it's messages like that, that those are when yeah. I have the aha moments. And I'm like, oh, it's all worth it. Like it's that, this is what this is about. It's, it's a lot to manage and maintain these online communities on a day-to-day basis. So just so everybody knows- um, these communities for Tiff in Tech, the community sizes are massive. There's 250,000 followers on Instagram, over 300,000 subscribers on YouTube, and over 200,000 on TikTok. And they're growing every day. It's so time-consuming to create content on a regular basis. Plus, you have a full-time job. Plus, you have other hobbies and things that you want to do. So how do you manage all of this? Is there a process that you follow do you break down your week where on certain days you do certain things? Do you have a team? How, how do you manage this? We, we all want to know. There's, I'm sure there's tons of women that are listening right now and are in the midst of creating a community. Mm-hmm. I'm creating a community with She's Interesting and would love to hear what your process and journey has been like. It's been a journey. I'd be lying if I said, oh, it's easy. It was, you know, balancing all these different mm-hmm. things because it's not. I, you know, and I also want to recognize too that I'm in a point in my life where... Right now, I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not married, but getting married. Yep. But, you know, so it really, I, I get some messages sometimes and people are like, well, how do you balance it all? And, and it's hard for me to respond um, in, a, in a general sense because it really, I don't want to say, oh, it's so, I think it just depends on the stages of life you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll share with you how I, my process. So I do have a small team for Tiffin Tech. I have uh, an individual who is in charge of all sales, negotiations, uh, contracts. Uh, he works closely with a friend of ours who uh, is a lawyer. So for any bigger mm-hmm. contracts, we can kind of lean on them. That's great. Um, so he does, he emails every single day, responds to clients or prospects, all of that. We have done some outreach in the past when things have been slower. Right now we're not doing that Um and it's been kind of successful, but it's really, it's just the inbound has been very successful for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that individual. Then I have um, someone who helps me with YouTube. They are on full time. We actually just, um, they just came on a Tiffin Tech visa uh, from Romania. Oh, incredible. Yeah, nice. him and his family. So you have an international team, basically. An international team, yes. Yeah, yeah he is phenomenal. So he helps me with everything YouTube, whether it be um, uh, upcoming partnerships, when it, whether it be different topics, breaking it down. He is someone I lean on every single day. Awesome. And so he does Tiffin Tech full time, uh, which takes a lot off of my plate. And then I also have uh, an editor mm-hmm. uh, for editing all long form content. He does some short form. I was just thinking as I was coming here today, I really need to lean on him more for the short form. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other contractors that are just kind of as needed. So maybe a graphic designer, maybe an animator, different things like that. So I do have, as I started to uh, get partnerships and um, income from Tiffin Tech, because I was working full time, I was able to use that money to invest directly back into the business, hire others. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of always been my, my motto with Tiffin Tech, as much as possible, just keep on investing at this point into it. And outsource the things that you can't do. That's that's something that we talk a lot about on She's Interesting is not trying to take everything on yourself. And especially like you, where you have a full-time job and you're running Tiffin Tech. And like, guys, Tiffin Tech is great. It's a passion project, but it's a business. Like, let's be real. And if you're running a business, you need to hire the right resources and you have to outsource the work. So I I think that's super impressive. And I wonder, when you first started Tiffin Tech, was that always the idea that I'm creating a business out of this? Or was it more like, there's a social media community feel that I want to build. I'm not sure where to take it yet, but this is going to be something for me. Definitely did not think it would become a business. It was more so about, you know, let's create this community, empower others, which it still is today. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was actually when my partner... My partner was friends with another creator here in Toronto and he came home one night and at the time I think it was around, I think I had around 50,000 followers on Instagram. It was, it was when I was just starting out kind of thing and he came home, he's like, Tiff, you know you can monetize this. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I'm not big enough and, and, and putting myself kind of in that, like that, putting myself down or in that imposter yeah. syndrome, which should not have been the case. Um, he's like, no, like he's like, and then he asked me, he said, do you have an email associated that people email you for business inquiries. I'm like, yeah, but one of my worst traits, but I'm leaning on it because it's just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I hate email. I, I'm the worst text. I'm a bad digital communicator, <laughs> okay. which is very shocking considering I'm always on my phone for social. And he's like, well, have you been responding to these businesses? No, I have not. <laughs> he uh, He's like, Tiff, there's so much here. Like, let's go through this. Let's sit down and go through it. So 
that's kind of how it started. It was very organic. It wasn't... Uh, it wasn't planned to be a business at first. Yeah. I have so many friends who've had challenges getting pregnant. Did you know one in six people experience infertility? If you're trying to conceive or even just thinking about it, it's important to prep your body. And if you have a partner, theirs too. I know this space can be confusing and sex ed seems to have missed a few chapters, but that's where Burden B comes in. The female-founded Canadian company offers prenatal supplements and at-home tests delivered right to your door. The supplements are developed by fertility doctors and include all key nutrients you need in one easy package including antioxidants that support egg and sperm quality. Burden B knows that fertility is a marathon, not a sprint, and is with you every step of the way, from preconception to postpartum. Head to burdenb.com to get 15% off your first order with code INTERESTING. You know what? This Your story reminds me so much of another Canadian creator that now lives in Miami, Valeria oh, Lipovetsky. Yes. She was the same content. thing. She yeah. has great content. And she has said that like for her from the beginning, she was creating yeah. content because she wanted to see what she could do on YouTube. Yeah. But as actually a similar thing, her partner, her husband at the time saw a check come in for like $10,000. Yeah. And yeah. that's when he was like, where did this come from? She's like, oh yeah, like this brand paid me to do something. Yeah. And he was like, wait a minute, this, like we can do something with this, yes. right? You're you're building yeah. this strong community. And her, her, she has the same mentality as you do and the same yeah. approach where she's like, I'm running this as a business. She has a full mm-hmm. team. She's yeah. hired a CEO. She's incredible. She's yeah. done so I much. Know. And I think like that's really inspiring to see because yeah. a lot of, people that start as influencers, they often get trapped and stuck in the cycle of just creating content, yes. working with brands. Mm-hmm. And you need to, to get to the next level. You got to start thinking as a business. You do. You absolutely. It's so funny you brought um, her up because she, when I look across the board for creators or influencers, she was someone that when I was starting out, like as I was growing and, and starting to realize that this is a business, I totally different categories, but I really looked up to how she ran it as a business and and Mm -hmm. grew it internally. What are the top two or three things that you suggest for anyone who wants to start a community today? I think if you're looking to start a community online, the first thing would be, and it sounds super obvious, but be authentic to yourself because Mm -hmm. as you grow, if you're not authentic to yourself, you're going to end up resenting, you know, the work that it takes for this community. Uh, people will see that right away. It just won't work. So do what you make, whatever you really believe in and, and truly authentic to you. Um, I think the other thing is too, a lot of people are waiting for perfection. I think sometimes maybe I'm too much of the opposite. I'm just like, just get it done. Get it done. Just yeah. throw stuff out there. Now that's not my mentality anymore necessarily, but when you're first starting out, you don't know what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So just start putting things out there. And if you fail, that's great. Even now when I'm creating content, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. And sometimes it completely doesn't work, but I'm happy I tried, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, it's, I still want to have that creativity and, and that fun aspect. It can't all be, you know, super analytical. Uh, so just keep on, you know, throwing and trying different things. And then also too, when it comes to community, I think a lot of times still, we forget that it's a two-way street. So mm-hmm. respond to those messages when you get uh, DMs or when people send you emails or get on a Zoom call with someone if they want to ask you some questions. And I still do that today and not to the degree that you know is I totally can, of course, but as much as I possibly can because if you're building a community, it's to connect with others. So actually take yeah. time to do that. And I think sometimes we just think it's more about, it's a one-way street, which 
It can't be if you want to build a real community. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, and I always say this on the marketing side of things when we talk about social media, it's not a billboard, right? You can't just like put something flashy out there. And then when people respond, sort of run away. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God, I wasn't ready for like this influx of inquiries. Yes. But it's, it's nice that you're, you're, reminding people that a community really is a two-way dialogue. And even though it is digital and it's online, there needs to be a conversation. Without conversation, there is no community. Exactly. And that's where I see the difference between um, creators that are doing a really good job versus Mm -hmm. creators that are not quite able to grow and scale their, you know, quote unquote business for those who are listening and not watching. Um, Because the ones that are able to get to the next level, they have a lot of dialogue. They're sharing on a regular basis. They're taking people along their journey and they're really good at storytelling. Yes. The ones that struggle and they sort of hit a plateau is because they're not getting deep enough. They're not sharing enough. They're not providing that level of value, whether it's like educational or even just making people feel like you're a friend of theirs and they can come to your content and feel comfort. Exactly, exactly. And that's something that I didn't know... I, I was, it was tricky for me because I focus a lot, of course, on tech, Tiffin Tech, and sharing that and making resources and trying to provide education, but finding different ways to share that personal aspect. So maybe if it's, you know, talking about social media, maybe it's about on Instagram, leaning on stories more to share more mm-hmm. about your day-to-day kind of life or uh, through through different snippets. Maybe it's still a technical thing, but it's uh, a solving a daily problem kind of thing. I don't know, different things like that. Yeah, some yeah. ways to keep the content fresh, yeah. to keep the community engaged. And then also like just being real because I'm sure there's things that you come across in your day-to-day work mm-hmm. where it gives you an idea. And it's, you know, I don't know if you have a month-long content calendar, but sometimes it's like, this just feels right to post today. 100%. So I'm just going to do it today. And I, for myself, like I'm not a big influencer, but when I do that and I just feel something and I put, post it in the moment, that's when I find that it performs the best and people mm-hmm. actually resonate because it, it feels real. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I've been doing a lot of research. Obviously, we know it's a male-dominated industry. In Canada, only 25% of the industry is women. Globally, it's 29%. And I feel like in the US, the stat that I read was that it was about 34 35%. So yeah. the numbers are, are quite low. Um, but we are seeing some trends and some things changing. So why do you feel, why do you think that we're still behind? When it comes to STEM, what could we be doing to get more women involved? That's a great question. I think one of the biggest things, well, and this is maybe sort of more so my generation or our generation. Uh, When I was growing up anyways, like God bless my parents, they are incredible. But I was put in front of, Barbies, I was put in front of mm-hmm. uh, everything Same. pink, just different things like that, because that's what, you know, society told them to be good parents to do, to buy. And it was, you know, great. Uh, but then when you look at the flip side, uh, males or boys are put in front of Legos, they're put in front of different video games, they're put in front of mm. different more thing, things that are more about building and uh, kind of related more to STEM in that aspect. Mm-hmm. I do think that is slowly changing now that we're seeing this. Uh, but definitely for for our generation, I think that was kind of the standard thing. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that has an impact. I, I think though there are a lot of women who want to make that switch into something STEM related, but you know, it goes back to balancing it all. And as yeah. women, we have so much responsibilities on our plate at home uh, and you know, whether it be children or just life, the day-to-day, that it can get more difficult. It's definitely not impossible, but mm-hmm. I always want to recognize that. 
And I think it's just going to take a long time and it's important for us to keep on showing up, you know, that yes, I am a woman and yes, I work in STEM and I, I love it and this is why and, and continuing to interact with the younger generations mm-hmm. um, to, to promote that. Yeah, and I think yeah. showing the younger generation that these are careers that they can attain, yes. that there are really like happy women that are working in these yes. environments. I think yeah. a lot of what happens when you're younger and you're trying to find the right career and, and what path to go in. For me anyways, it was like, I wanted to be in marketing and advertising. That's what I saw on TV. I remember yeah. there was like some movie with Jennifer Aniston and she was in advertising yes. and I was like, this is my future. This looks great. But I would yeah. love to see more examples for young women that you yeah. can go into STEM fields and still have an exciting life and still feel exactly. like good about yourself and like dress nice and be authentically who you are. And I think yeah. that'll help to bridge the gap so that it feels more inclusive for everybody. hundred percent. And that's such a good point. It goes, it's everywhere you look, right? And and I think there is still this kind of stereotype about getting into, getting into STEM related fields that, oh, maybe it's not cool or it's kind of, nerdy or whatever you want to call it and and finding different ways to kind of break that down. I also think if we just let more women know how much money you can make working in yeah, tech, there you go. then we would have more women working in tech. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then we can Bottom continue. line, while we're on the subject of money, because mm-hmm. we all love us some monies. Yes. Um, what is your money mindset? We talk a lot about abundance. It's all over my Instagram, abundance, okay. abundance mentality. And do you subscribe to any of that? What are your thoughts on money? Have you do you have an abundance mindset? Are you like struggling with it like the rest of us where we're trying to make sense of it and grow our wealth? Yeah. You know, let's let's deep dive into that for a sec. Sounds great. Wait, before I deep dive into it though, yeah. define abundance like in, in the term of money. Ah, that's a good question. So uh, the way that I perceive the abundance mindset is not being so worried about where your money is coming from. Recognizing okay. that in the universe, there is an abundance of ways to make wealth and to generate wealth. And that there's opportunities that if you put yourself out there and you work hard, you can amass a certain level of wealth versus like the scarcity mentality, which is like, I have to hold on to everything. I have to save everything. Uh, And like, I can't spend because that means my money's gone. And abundance is more like, hey, if I spend, it's more of an investment. Um, Money flows. And so being in that energy mindset. I love that. I absolutely love that. I think I fall, it depends on what day you ask me, really. That's fair, yeah. Um, I think having multiple streams of income has really helped me feel more, I guess, be able to lean more on that, feel more, what is the term? Make it easier mm-hmm. to lean more into the abundance kind of mindset. Uh, you know, I, I see individuals, friends who their nine to five is their main primary source as many people. Mm-hmm. And especially this past year, past two years in tech, it's terrifying for a lot of them. I don't, they wake Absolutely. up and they Tiff, I don't know if I'm gonna have a job the next day. I have kids to feed and, and whatnot. So for me though, having multiple streams has really helped be able to- How many streams? How many streams? Okay. Um, <laughs> this is gonna be my next question. I'm like, I gotta ask it right now. <laughs> All right. So my, my main stream is Tiff and Tech through okay. partnerships. And then I have my day, day job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have like YouTube ad, ad money, but that's very, that's very, it's not a major stream by any means. And then different things like investing mm-hmm. um, uh, is another stream. And then I'm working on one more business stream, which is hoping Exciting. to launch in October. But yeah, so so a few different ones, but Tiff and Tech is my main one. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's fantastic. And I want more women to hear mm-hmm. what you're doing. Like guys, she has a full-time job. 
she also has multiple streams of income and she's building a life that feels good, right? Yeah. And I think that's what we all yeah. need to do is like lean into different things that feel good, find mm-hmm. ways to generate income based on your passions and what you're good at. And the whole point of generating wealth is doing it through diversifying your portfolio. If you are working one job and assuming that's what's going to help you, especially in this day and age and in this economy, like that's what's going to help you retire and that's going to be the one thing that you're working on. I mean, unless you have a really incredible job and you're going to go be like CEO very soon, uh, it can take a while, especially living in an expensive city like Toronto. It definitely can. And it's one of those things where you know, it's once again, I know it's easier said than done, but we truly do have the internet at our fingertips. And I know it comes down to time, of Mm -hmm. course, which is very valuable and hard to find a lot of times. But it is exciting to think about that, you know, if you want to explore something, maybe it's a different stream. You You can, yeah. I love that. It's all about, and let's go back to this abundance mindset. It's all about feeling like, these options are available to you. I think the more that we say no to ourselves and don't let ourselves try, Mm -hmm. the more we're failing before we've even woken up for the day. So one thing I'm doing personally is I'm pushing myself to lean into things that I want to do, that I feel like at my core, I know I could be good at this. I know Mm -hmm. that I can make an impact with this. So let's go, let's give it a shot. And one thing to remind everyone as well is when you first start something, it's not gonna be a success right away because we're all later in our careers and have amassed a certain level of success and a certain income bracket that we're at. It's very hard when you start something new and you're like, wow, well, this isn't making as much as my full-time job is this even worth my time? But we need to remember, it's like a staircase. You're only on step one. By the time you get to step 10, it's going to look completely different. Your business is going to evolve. And don't hold yourself back just because that first step feels a little bit uncomfortable. I love that. I love that. I'm going to listen to that part over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, Okay. One last question. So what are you most proud of in your life and your career today? It would be the community for Tiffin Tech by far. It would Mm -hmm. be those messages that I I spoke about earlier uh, and just having an impact, a real impact on people's lives, especially uh, other women or young girls' lives who are making these really big decisions in their life about what they want to pursue. Definitely, definitely the Tiff and Tech community. And if you could say one last piece of advice for any women listening to the podcast who are thinking of making a career pivot, what would you tell them? Just start, just start. Maybe it's as simple as taking someone out for coffee in that industry. You don't have to make a full leap, but just Mm -hmm. start. That's great advice. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly it. Just start the engine. Just mm-hmm. go. Taking action is better than thinking about things. And I, you mentioned this earlier in the podcast where before you weren't so focused on the perfection. You were just f- focused on doing. And yeah. I think that the more we can be okay with sloppiness, because as women, we are generally taught not to be sloppy. Yes. But if we are fine with yeah. being sloppy, putting ourselves out there and trying things, yeah. the more you can actually change your life and the more you can change your mindset and get rid of that perfectionism. Exactly. A hundred percent. It is. It just takes time, but yeah, just start. Amazing. So thank you so much, Tiff, for joining thank us today. You. I'm so happy that you were able to, to come by and chat yes. with me about your journey, your community, your career. And thanks as always to our listeners for supporting She's Interesting. Let's keep in touch. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast networks like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and we're also on YouTube. And then be sure to follow us on social media at She's Interesting. If you haven't signed up yet, like I haven't asked you to do enough things, but make sure to sign up to our newsletter um, at She's Interesting dot com and also follow Tiffin Tech because 
you're going to get some invaluable insights from (laughs) Tiff. Her daily posts are incredible and I love watching them. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming by. We'll be right back.